if you think about it, the percentage of the earth that's covered by forest is the percentage that paraphysical beings have to hide in the entire world. All of a sudden I had this visual of this being that it had hair that went up like this from the top of its forehead and out from its face. And it, it, like, it looked like a furry little Bigfoot. It wasn't very big and it had this big nose. The problem with the Jersey Devil is there have been way too many sightings of this thing. Monster hunting as a career profession was a thing, guys. Van Helsing, people. It's a 40-foot clearing, which is pretty big. And it's said to be where the devil comes to stomp and dance every night. Really old accounts that the devil used to create them. They would see all of these orbs floating around or a fire, and then they'd go out there and there would be a crop circle. Give me a photograph, give me somebody's story that we can look at so I can find that stairway to hell. All right, we've talked about the curse of Dudley Town, mysterious melon heads, government experiments, and sightings in the woods so far in this Halloween series. But when we started talking about the dark entry forest and strange forests, it led us down a rabbit hole to haunted forests in strange places all over the United States. From the Pine Barren sightings of the Jersey Devil to a mysterious staircase in Omaha from ghosts and cryptids to places haunted by the devil, there's a lot to cover. Want to hear John's personal stories of the Elfin Forest in California or the haunted history of the Salem Witch Trials hanging grounds? Join remote viewer John Vivanco and me, investigative researcher Rob Counts, for a show that's out of this world. And are you listening to the Metaphysical Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere? Go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach more people. Really, really really helps. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook as well. John, yeah. how you doing? Good. I can't believe we're talking about Elfin Forest. I'm like, Elfin Forest? <laughs> For real? Well, I, well, you know, we're looking up uh, all the most haunted forests in the United States, and, and this right. one came up. For those of you at home, we started, Lindsay and I were telling John about kind of what we found. And John was like, you're kidding me. Elephant Forest. Like I used to, I grew up going to this place. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, why don't we just, why don't we just dive in here and, um, and start talking about it? Like, I do want to say before we start, it's important that you guys understand not to go to these places. <laughs> Like, don't, especially don't go on trespass, like don't trespass on land. Like if you want to go explore stuff, that's your business, but don't trespass on other people's property, especially if, if it's considered, you know, um, off limits. So, and you know, you might not want to taunt any spirits while you're out there, just, you know, for your own safety. So yeah, Elfin Forest, John, what happened? You used to go there? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So I grew up in the general area down there and all throughout, uh, like high school, that was a place where we would go, students would go to drink beer. Um, you know, I mean, you're in high school. It's like, yeah, you go out there to party because it's down this deserted, pretty much deserted road. It like it went down to um, this sort of uh, gate and it was just tree lined like this, like that picture right there, these oak trees everywhere. And, and you just go down there dead end road and you'd park and, and you would like hang out with your friends. So that area had all this lore where, you know, 
a person would meet up with sort of a, a ghost or a spirit or a crazy person would come out of the forest and chase him off from behind this gate, right? And and I think most of the stories that I heard were that there were there were some insane murderous people that lived there, um, almost monster like. And really, though, what it was, what that was, was the owner of the property was like chasing the kids off from like, you know, drinking on, on their on their dead end road. Uh, but one time I went down there, it was like probably a school night. I had this like, I had this like 1973 Volvo or something like that. And and I drove and I had two girls with me and we drove because they wanted to drive down to Elfin Forest to get scared. And they got scared and we started driving back and all of a sudden my car started to swerve like and I couldn't stop it from swerving. And the car was swerving back so hard that I thought we were going to roll. And I, it was like, I didn't know why it started swerving. The dang car just started swerving. So I was able to get control to like really like plow to a stop to make it stop swerving. And then we drove off. But it was clearly something weird. And at least to my thinking back then was paranormal that caused the car to nearly flip as we're leaving the area. Did you ever yeah. go back after that? Well, yeah. So later on, um, I started to race mountain bikes. And part of my training routine was to go to Elfin Forest and ride the single track out there for training purposes. And I never ran into anything that was weird or bizarre at that point in time. Yeah, that that so that reminded me of another scene in Lord of the Rings where they're like running through that that farm and Farmer Maggot is trying to chase them out of the out of the farm, right? Farmer Right. You've been into Farmer Maggot's crops. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. These kids are just out there drinking and smoking and stuff and but that's interesting. So the biggest question I had for those of you watching this episode, if you're not listening, Lindsay pulled up some really interesting photos that John called oak trees. And where I grew up, oak trees never looked as gnarly as these trees. What's making these trees gnarly like that? Like to grow almost like horizontally and in these strange ways and twisting up. Well, normally oak trees don't grow like that. Pine trees, oak trees, you'll, you have a specific type of oak tree out there on the West Coast going straight up with a lot of branches going out at the top. When you have trees that start to be twisted like this, whether they're pines or oaks or something, something else might be going on. You see how they're like moving yeah. away from some center point there? Yeah. Normally, um, you have some kind of portal uh, situation there. And I've seen pine trees that, that are all going straight up and then one area where they're growing as a, in a spiral, twisted spiral, like these, these guys are. And that's usually indicative of some type of portal. Yeah, I mean, that was a specific type of tree, and maybe that specific type of tree is more likely to grow that way. But yeah. but it is it is interesting, like, when you see trees that are doing that, because, you know, your first question is, like, that's bizarre. That's It looks like haunted for it. And there was, like, a, a bench right near there. Why would you put a bench right in the place where all the gnarly stuff is going on? Yeah, you know, it's a, like, I think now the area is really built up. Uh, that whole area around there is really built up. A lot of suburbs probably encroached into that whole area and it's covered up at this point. But there's a lot of probably uh, Indian burial, burial grounds out there as well as my guess. That is what's reported is that these, this area was, a, was an old 
Native American burial ground, similar to Dudley Town. Other than than your experience, did any of your friends have any like extreme experiences in that forest? You know, the thing is, is that you can't you can't trust it. You can't trust it because all all the kids that were going there were going there with the intention of potentially getting scared. So anything's going to scare them, you yeah, know, and they'll true, just true. make something up. They'll like turn it into a campfire story. And 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 my guess is that a lot of the stories were coming from the kids creating the campfire story around it because they just wanted to be scared. The big question is, you know, why why are forests so susceptible to being haunted? Hey, are you loving this metaphysical episode? We've got a whole lot more on Rise.TV. On Rise.TV, you're going to find two exclusive Halloween episodes about the Ohio melon heads and mad scientist experiments, plus the abandoned Dudley Town dark entry forest and a generational curse. It's Halloween nightmare fuel. And if you're a fan of Halloween, and this sounds like a metaphysical mystery you want to be a part of, click the link in the description and subscribe. Now back to the episode. But I think our communities are too, because we you know, will you're, you're things right. away. You know, you're totally right. right. You're totally right. And like where there's bizarre vibrations, I would say, like where where people like like you mentioned, you know, what was it? The last episode you were talking about the this butcher shop that kind of was in it was like right in an area where a lot of this haunting was going right. on. And it was like, well, they're killing things constantly in this one area. And of course, like there's a massive amount of paranormal energy in that area that's causing some of this stuff, ectoplasm, whatever you want to call it. People get used to their surroundings and feel as though uh, nothing's going to happen. They're, everything's fine with their paved land and the concrete and the wood houses everywhere. I think that people, it's just like the normal thing. So no, of course not. There's nothing happening there. But what was there before? Probably a forest, a field, natural. There was natural land. Who knows what the land was like when people go into a forest, they're outside of the construct of the thoughts of their world, right? I mean, the house that I live in is a thought construct. It was created from human thought, right? Most of the time people are living within a construct of human thought, whether they realize it or not. This microphone was made from human thought. My computer was. Everything around me is the creation from human thought. The moment you step into a place where there is no creation from human thought, everything quiets down and you notice things a lot more. But what if you, in your own community, your own world, noticed what was beyond the construct of human thought? Would you see the same things? Yes, you would. People don't realize that we live in a multidimensional world. Multidimensional. There are more beings around us than there are of us always no matter where we are so yeah that's that's my opinion on it i i i actually i completely agree with you look at even history like our our eyes like this entire body was created to to deliver us into a world of delusion and illusion and and you know it it, it it's what makes the human state complicated and gives us an opportunity to achieve greater things because we are deluded and have to make 
decisions to do the right things in the most trying of circumstances. It's a, it's a maze that we're in and we have to find our way out of the maze. I mean, it's not me saying this, you guys, like, this is like, this is like history. When people say we're in the matrix and this is a projection. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right, but not the yeah. projection you're thinking about. It's not necessarily a technological projection. It's like the entire world is built this way. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of our, <laughs> our duty to sort of recognize that. And it, this is my opinion, right? Of course, like y'all welcome to your own um, understandings on things, but it's what makes these stories so compelling in a city somewhere and something's going on or, or, or a forest or, right. or the superstition mountains, for instance, where right. there's just so many strange, um, there's so many strange stories of, of either missing people or strange things happening in those woods. And I would really curious to ask you a little bit more about the superstition mountains. I was oh, traveling. Yeah, man. It's like, that's a weird place. That's yeah. a, I would, I, I would not venture into that place personally. <laughs> that was, I mean, that I, was literally your original advice for me. Cause I was traveling yeah. through the country. I told you, Hey, I'm passing these things called the superstition mountains. What are these things? Cause they were called superstition mountains and you were like, dude, do not go there. And I was like, what? don't go there. Which? Dude, that is not right. That image is, there's something not right about that. Like you know, right. you cannot look at that and tell me that that is not straight out of some yeah. nightmare or something. I know. Those rocks. It's, it, it's not right. It's not right. Exactly. Yeah. There's something foreboding about it. You know, this uh, looks like friggin' Mordor dude. This yeah. is weird. Man, yeah, we, we so we were doing this treasure hunting project where um, we were all in one, all bunch of viewers and monitors were all in one location, um, and we were doing a project on the Lost Dutchman's Mine, which is purported to be in the Superstition Mountains. So I was one, of, I was one of the viewers on it, and probably I think we had four other viewers, and each viewer had a monitor with them. And we were running this big project on it, see if we could find it, right? And so, so I was like put into this dark area. It was like a garage and I had my monitor in there and everybody got to be in like this nice warm house area. And so it automatically got really creepy in the garage. Um, and, and so, so before I got into the session, sometimes, you know, you, you meditate, you cool down and I was cooling down. And as I was cooling down, I was like, and I wrote about this in my book, the time before the secret words, cause this was just such a weird experience. All of a sudden I had this visual of this being that was, was it had a hair that went up like this from the top of its forehead and out from its face. And it, it like, it looked like a furry little Bigfoot. It wasn't very big and it had this big nose right? It looked like very elvish, elvish kind of thing. And it, as I was like cooling down, I was like, I, I had my feet is what it felt like in my mind's eye in this warm pool of water with sand. And it was kind of like this sandy alcove. And I was just sitting within that. This thing popped out of the side of the wall and started dancing around, like waving its arms and dancing around and going, I'm going to help you like singing this little song, right? I'm going to help you on the next session. Dun, 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 dun. Like, and I'm like, cause I'm listening to like theta binaural beats while I'm cooling down. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm like making stuff up. You know, my imagination's going wild. Right. So I forget about it. I go, 
um, into the session and I've got a monitor very shortly into the session, I don't know what I'm viewing, right? We don't know what we're viewing beforehand. We're not told. So I go into the session and I get a subject, right? On one of my scans, initial scans in the session, early in the session. And I start describing the subject and it's like got a hairy face, nose like that. And I forgot about this other thing because, you know, when you go into theta and you go into uh, remote viewing, theta is a brainwave state. And you go into remote viewing, you don't have memory of things like you do in your beta mind state, right? And so I don't remember any of that right off the bat. I'm just experiencing and writing stuff down. And, and then the being like, okay, so I'm getting this being and I'm going, oh, it's a paraphysical being. It's not of three-dimensional reality. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm just sitting there and like, I feel this tingling sensation and cold on my shoulder and then grip. And I can feel my skin going in under a grip. And I look at my monitor, all crazy wide eye, I said, this thing, it's grabbing me right now. It's got my shoulder. It's got my shoulder. Like this ghost thing is grabbing me. And he's like, he's freaking out. He says, uh, okay, drop your pen, drop your pen. <laughs> like drop my pen. What's that going to do? <laughs> yeah. That's going to make like him a, let go of me. It'll make him let go of me. And that's like a thing we do in remote viewing to let go of something. I'm like, okay, I just dropped my pen. Right. So eventually the thing lets go of me and I continue with the session and it grabs my leg. Same thing. So we go through the whole session at a certain point, I realize that this is a treasure this being keeps coming in and eventually like in the room that I was in, you could see shadows flitting by, like in the corner, your corner, your peripheral vision. This thing was in the room with us and it was like totally screwing with everything about the session. Marty, my monitor, he before the session did what we call advanced perceptuals, even though he wasn't viewing, he was just closing his eyes to see what would come. And so at the end of the session, he picks up a piece of paper of his advanced perceptuals and he's like shaking and he's holding it up. And it's, it's a little picture drawing of the, of the guy <laughs> that I saw before my session that was in the session that he saw before we did the session. And so, so we just look at each other and it's like the garage area is all dark and scary. And we just go tearing out of there to go like find out like, like I get to safety, right? Because this thing's like, like messing with us the whole time. We go inside and everybody, all the other viewers are like crowded around with pictures of the same being and saying how they messed up, how that being messed up their sessions, et cetera, et cetera. So this being was also responsible for guiding people into death situations who are looking Weird. for the lost Dutchman's mind, right? Right. So, so this is not a place to go, right? This is a protected place by some other entity. This is not a dead human. This is something that is from the earth. It's like an earth type of spirit that is somewhat malevolent. Now I was like, this is years later. So I did this, uh, uh, television show for national geographic explorer where they were following me on a treasure hunt. And, um, after I did that show, the executive producer went on to discovery channel and he offered me uh, right out of the gate, green lit right out of the gate, six, six episodes to do a treasure hunt in the Superstition Mountains looking for the Lost Dutchman. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so, man. 
<laughs> no way. Not okay, wait, wait. There's the questions from this. So, like, what the lost? Who is the lost Dutchman for everyone at home? The lost Dutchman was uh, an old mine. From like this whole area was mined for gold, guys. Everybody's looking for gold. Uh, the settlers, right. the early, early days. Dutchman was the last name of the person. I can't. It might have been Jacob Dutchman or something like that. He was the person who mined this area. Like every other story, was that. This guy would go into town with a bunch of gold. He would sell it. Everybody's going, where is he getting all this gold? Um, and eventually um, he gets in the battle with some native peoples or um, some other like uh, or some um, people trying to steal it from him. He dies and nobody knows where the mine was. Right. And so then after that, everybody's looking for the mine. And it was somewhere in the Superstition Mountains. And a lot of people are still looking for it today. Still looking for it today. It. Is it because this no, thing fact, is protected? In fact, I had like, I mean, there are people out there who are looking for um, partners, like money, monetary partners that think they have a line on the mine so that they can get in there and, um, and try and get it and try and find it. And I've had some friends of mine who have gone down that path with some of those people. And, I, and they asked me my opinion. I was like, no, don't do it. Don't go after the lost Dutchman. I mean, the hard thing with treasure is that treasure, a mine, not not so much, but treasure is typically blood money that's been stolen, killed, people die for it, and so you're gonna get hauntings around it. But this There's, one's unique. Cursed already. Yeah, cursed already, right? And this one is unique in that that it is a mine that there is a natural type of entity that's protecting it in the whole area, the whole area as well. So superstition and it's malevolent to a degree, right? So, so it's not a place you really want to go. Again, one person's experience is going to be different than another. And there may, there are probably people that go, I go hiking there all the time. It's totally fine. Next person will be like, I will never step my foot in there ever again. Right. After having a crazy experience. So it depends on who you talk to. But that's my experience. I will never go there. Yeah. And I mean, what's what's weird is like, did the land, is it because of the mine that the land is sort of wonky and cursed? Or was the land, did the land bring in the gold? Do you get what I'm saying? Like what came yeah. first? Right. Like was the land already screwed up and then it brought in this energy? Like that's why that energy was able to come there? Or was it right. the, you know, the mine itself? <laughs> Well, okay, so there's a lot of beings that 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 we don't pay attention to, that we don't know about, that are mythical. That this is this thing was some kind of mythical trickster, uh, elf-ish dimensional creature being. This thing it doesn't want people digging in its home. If there's a known place where gnomes live, fairies and stuff, they will build roads around it. If you build a road through it, you're cursed. You've done something wrong. You can't destroy their home. And so what this mine was doing was destroying what this being considered its home. It didn't want anybody else going in there. It just doesn't want it happening. And it's still doing it to this day. Believe me, it is still doing it to this day. So speaking of terror, when you were describing the being that was sort of protecting this land, I could not help but think of this thing called Ryuk, which is the 
the demon in that movie or that Japanese show called um, Death Note, which is like a it's kind of like a horror thing. But Lindsay, do not bring a picture of this thing up like it's basically kind of what you describe, but like a demon, like a like a punk rock 80s version demon of what you described. And it's like a terrifying like, right, you know, I mean, this thing wasn't terrifying in the way it looked right. It, it, it was it was like a it just looked like a gnome thing like, yeah elf gnomey elf kind of thing is what it looks it wasn't very tall it was definitely not something that was a normal 3d earth plane being it existed in a crossover dimension can go back and forth kind of thing but its primary place was just outside and anything that we humans do on the surface of the earth is going to affect it Right. Mm. We that's one thing we don't realize. We have no respect for that stuff if we even believe it. Like we don't have respect. When you get to some of the ancient peoples coming out of like Norway and England and Ireland and stuff, they pay attention to this. They will not build where they there is a known fairy mound or a place where these beings live. You don't do that. And that's something to always be aware of. I mean, mm. it was like this earlier episode, like we had we talked about this and like there's this neighborhood that heather and i would take walks through where everybody's got a little fairy garden and i literally run like i don't want to see that because fairies can be a little bit you know mischievous yeah like why would you want to attract fairies to your yard i don't know why um because they can be mischievous they are a real thing they do exist absolutely they do exist People just don't believe it, though. And they can exist in your yard. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and I think there's there's like a lot of assumptions about what fairies are like, you know? Exactly. Um, Look at all the pictures of fairies online. It's like some scantily clad woman with wings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like Tinkerbell or whatever. And it's like, no, no, probably not in real life. It's probably, you know, the paranormal trash bin version of that. Hey, are you a fan of the Metaphysical Podcast and want a meaningful way to support us? Subscribe to Rise.TV, a totally independent streaming platform where you can watch hundreds of videos on mysteries, miracles, and so much more. You'll get to watch the two Rise.TV exclusive Halloween episodes we made about the bizarre Ohio melonhead seen in the woods, plus the abandoned Dudley Town dark entry forest in Connecticut that left us so befuddled, we actually had more questions than when we started. Your support gets you those episodes, plus it ensures we can keep making this metaphysical content for you. Just click the link in the description and you're on your way. Thanks so much. No, don't diss them. Seriously, don't diss fairies. Always like say, no, they're good. They're good. <laughs> you don't want your tires slashed. You don't want like your windows broken. Who knows? Like, and, and, and there could like, honestly, this idea of the fae and fairies and stuff like that, that could be a whole episode. We won't get too into it here, but there's so many different types. Like it's almost like this category of being now, rather than just like a very specific flying thing, which, you know, humans have kind of like simplified into, Hey, if the fae, it's the, it's fairies. It's like this group of different types of beings that are all paranormal and there's different sizes and all of these things, you know, when you get into it, that's what you find. Good ones, bad ones, the whole bit. But I mean, that's like people. People are complicated. And so are, you know, paraphysical beings as well. Right. Why wouldn't they be? You know, this brings us, this whole conversation kind of brings us to the next place I kind of want to discuss, which is the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. 
That's always been on my bucket list, my paranormal bucket list. Well, you and I will go there together when yeah. you come over. However, yeah. when I started Edge of Wonder back in the day, I thought to myself, yeah, right, the Jersey Devil, right? Bigfoot, I'll accept. A bunch of these other things I accept. The Jersey Devil just seemed like this thing people had created to me. Just my intuition was something like that did not turn out to be that way when I started to research it or when um, we had a couple of episodes on it. It's not even that far away from, from Manhattan. Why are people seeing right. this thing? Right. Right. And, and the, and the stories are, are kind of just, it's like bat squatch, man. I mean, it's yeah. not, it, it's, it's like, it's like what? No, that's just improbable. Bat squatch. Yeah. Right. Jersey devil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, I don't know how to describe this thing, but the, the problem with the Jersey Devil is there have been way too many sightings of this thing, generally credible sightings of this thing, for it to be just a figment of people's imaginations. The, the story is, it's a rather annoying cliche story, but this is the story, is that in 1735, this thing that is now the Jersey Devil was allegedly the 13th child born to Deborah Leeds. Okay. It had leathery wings, a goat's head and hooves for feet. She was having another child. It was her 13th child. And she said, to, Oh, the 13th be, child, the 13th <laughs> child. This is what I said. It's cliche. Let it be the devil. She said, and it ended up turning into this bizarre thing that people now call the, the Jersey devil, the creature as it, it was born, the creature flies up the Leeds chimney and has been at large terrorizing livestock and residents in the area ever since. Sounds dumb, right? Like when I heard the story, I was like, yeah, okay. And then you start, you start like that story could have nothing to do with the actual cryptid of whatever this thing is. Could just be something people made up but there is something out there that people are seeing many, right. many, many accounts of this thing. Right. Right. Where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Usually we find it's like the whole bat squatch situation. Like it sounds like the most absurd thing in the world, like a, a, a Sasquatch that's a bat can fly around. Like, come on, man. Oh, but wait a second. The thing actually exists, right? There's too many sightings of this thing, right? Who knows what it is? People just termed it bat squatch. And it started when Mount St. Helens blew up in the 1980s. And you know what we found when we remote viewed this whole thing was that, that this thing primarily lived in lava tubes underground. And when the, the, the lava tubes started filling up, this thing retreated from it. And so that's when all the sightings actually started of well, the bat squatch. I mean, really think about it. Why would there not be Jurassic-sized bats in the deep places of our Earth? Right. Why not? There could be. We don't know. Why not? Those lava tubes could lead anywhere down there in, in our right. Earth. Like, there is so much space between the surface and the core. Yeah. Who am I to say what's there? I don't know. Yeah. Right. You know what is there? Batsquatch. Batsquatch is there. Batsquatch. <laughs> yeah. And probably King Kong and a number of other things like the Lemurians. Right. We've not looked at it with remote viewing, but I've always been part of the problem is that it's they append devil 
to it, right? So, you know, you call it the New Jersey cryptid or monster or whatever. Okay, no problem. When you have devil, that gets a little sketch on the remote viewer side because if it's attached to anything that's super dark and deep dangerous like that with sort of like paranormal type abilities, demonish type things, yeah, you don't really fun. want to be remote viewing that stuff, right? Right. So on these types of things, we have to like figure out workarounds how we remote go about remote viewing them. We wouldn't view it straight on. We would like try and understand. We try to get a good known, like a good experience that somebody had to remote view their experience from their perspective, right? So that's what we would have to do. Well, and then the more information we found out from viewing the different accounts, the more potential confidence we would have in viewing it directly if it wasn't anything too crazy. Exactly. Right? Like, right. I doubt seriously viewing bat squatch directly is a big deal if it's just a Jurassic sized bat hanging out in a lava tube. No, you know in what fact, I mean? the remote viewers like really liked the being. Right. Because they're like, oh, go. this being like just wants to stay hidden. It doesn't want to be involved with humans and it got driven out of its home and um, it's found new homes, I guess, and other lava tubes. And, but, but the viewers really liked it. It felt like it was a non-confrontational type of being. Kind of like, yeah. and then like with Mothman, we ended up finding the same thing, right? Where it's... <laughs> yeah, Mothman was like, Mothman's actually insane. Mothman's gone absolutely bad, be... insane from all of the multidimensional timeline shifting travel stuff that it does. Well, it's like, and, and who knows, you know, like even Noah went crazy after everything that happened with the flood and creating the ark and... You right. know, all that stuff. So it's like, what are we to say about an interdimensional traveler that ended up here? You know, no right. wonder why he's like screeching and chasing like females down the street. When they lay eyes on <laughs> what timeline is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why are you looking at me? Stop looking at me. Send me home. I know. <laughs> Yeah, very interesting. I, like, I'm I'm glad we'll we'll start looking into that and maybe even going there directly. But one of the strangest forests I found, John, is just kind of nightmare fuel. You know, you were talking about how it, whenever you, you somebody brings up something about like the devil or something like that, is it attached to it? Or well, we found yeah. a really strange forest called the Devil's Tramping Ground in North Carolina, and. Huh. Yeah, and the Devil's Tramping Ground is interesting because it is just this bizarre circle in the woods where no plants will grow and no animals will even cross its path. It's a 40-foot clearing, which is pretty big, and it's said to be where the devil comes to stomp and dance every night. Others say he paces the circle at night as he contemplates what havoc to wreak next wow red eyes are constantly seen gr glowing here in the area have so you ever maybe or what you know how we were talking about peripheral vision and paying attention to peripheral yeah. vision recently and that you should pay attention to it have you ever out of the corner of your eyes caught red eyes looking at you yes i have what yes. was your reaction because that's happened to me before what was your reaction when you run <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I wish that was my reaction. My reaction was go, go over to the place and like and like try to threaten them paraphysically. Oh, you want to go attack. Right. Get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Or something like don't come into my area kind of, you know, right. 
so back in the day, um, people used to think that, so crop circles have happened for a very long time, like in, in Europe, right? And uh, there's, there's like even photographs of crop circles from uh, World War II of pilots coming in for a landing after dropping bombs in Germany and England and seeing these big, huge circles formed in fields and stuff. And they used to think back in the 17, 18, 1600s even, I mean, there are really old accounts that the devil used to create them because they would see all of these orbs floating around or a fire, and then they'd go out there and there would be a crop circle. So they used to think that devils created them. So this is kind of probably like the same, same sort of thing, but what's going on there? Like, why is that place devoid of any life? Crops grow back, crop circles grow back, uh, whatever's there, but this place looks absolutely barren um, and nothing has grown there for a very long time. So this is a curious one. Mm. You know, one of the one of the accounts I saw said that when people put belongings in that circle in the evening, the next day they've been thrown out of that circle. Huh. That's really it's interesting. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So wait, this is in Virginia, you said? No, no, no. This is in North Carolina, the devil's Carolina. tramping ground. I want to go there. Yeah, let's go. We absolutely have to go there. I mean, come on, like, like literally if, if it's some like if you put something in there, it's thrown out, man, we just put stuff in there and put cameras on it. Exactly. I mean, how hard is that? Yeah. See what happens. Well, well, okay. So if you ever watched the TV show, Destination Truth. Okay. So they did, they did, they went to Russia and there was this same kind of thing, a circle in a forest and one camera person got thrown and had scratch marks on him. It's on camera. So same thing, same type of phenomena, it sounds like, except in that case, the human got thrown. That was a yeah. fascinating episode. I, you know, okay, so Destiny, I got to like say this, you know, these shows are usually just a bunch of mm, nonsense. A lot of it's true because a lot of it we've remote viewed and they did actually come across very strange and interesting things that are, are real stuff that were happening to them. But again, you know, it's entertainment, right? You know, when I was working a lot in the TV zone, the TV show was considered the filler between the commercials. <laughs> Which is basically what primetime television is like now yeah. still. Yeah. They just want to keep you there. So whatever entertainment it is, they don't care what it is so that you watch the commercials. Yes, of course. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, and that's how they set everything up. I mean, that's marketing, right? 101 right. is like, how do we, how do we, you know, keep the show going really? And people think that that's bad. But actually, like, if you can't pay for production, you're not going to get anything. So exactly. You do exactly. have to. But the, but the attitude gets very jaded when you get to the well, production that, side. That's the problem is you yeah. don't need to lie. There's so many mysteries out there. Just write responsibly. And you've got an interesting show that people want to watch. Exactly. And they're going to yeah. stay watching. You don't need to make crap up, which is what they're doing yeah. now. You know? Exactly. Another place that we might have to go down and see, John. Because you and I have such a desire to research the Wolfman, Dogman, is a place in Louisiana called the Man Manchac Swamp. Okay, never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. This is a weird, weird story, and actually, because of its story, we may want to all together avoid going to the area at all. I'm not really afraid of it, but I will tell you what what happened, and that is that. There was a alleged voodoo princess 
named Julie White, who lived in the swamp and cursed those who wronged her. She had a premonition that a cataclysmic disaster would occur when she died. And indeed, a massive hurricane hit the area on the day of her funeral in 1915. Julie's ghost supposedly haunts the swamp to this day, and Aruguru lives in the swamp. That's a wolf man, everybody. Yeah, there's been associations between the uh, dog man, Ruguru, and strange portals as well. In my opinion, the whole dog man, Ruguru thing is extremely dangerous. You know, a lot of people think of paranormal things as being somewhat of a novelty and romanticize this stuff. Like aliens and UFOs, they'll romanticize it. Oh, I'd love to be talking to aliens and go on a UFO. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. You really don't. Gotta be careful. You do, you really do, dude. I mean, the more that I research the werewolf slash wolfman subject, the deeper and crazier it gets. Oh yeah, we're, we're talking about accounts of these things in the first records, the first annals of history, all the way right. back to Herodotus, Alexander the Great having interactions with these things. Right. You know, you've got. Marco Polo seeing this stuff when he's There's out old there. There's cuts of these things. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, they don't exist and, and all of this stuff. And right. it's like, well, Batsquatch didn't exist until that volcano exploded either. Monster hunting as a career profession was a thing, guys. Van Helsing, people. That was a thing. Yeah. Actually, dude, I'm telling you, the other thing is that we've got to do is we've got to have... Like, I know we're just having fun talking about this stuff, but like for real, Bram Stoker's Dracula, right. there's something sketchy about Bram Stoker's, Dra- Bram Stoker's Dracula. The feels I get from that book when you're reading it is there is, I get why it was insanely popular at the time. I do. But there is some energy in Bram Stoker's Dracula that feels very, very real. Very it's weird. hard for me to watch those things. It's really hard. Okay, so like for instance, here's a for instance. You, know, you ever see the show What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show? The yeah, TV yeah, series. that's that show is funny. I mean, it's funny as heck. But so Heather, you know Heather, who who is my partner, and we work on all this stuff together. She and I started watching it, and she she was loving it. But the problem was the vibration is there, and she started to have dreams about vampires coming to her like real vampires because she's connecting with the vibration of it even though it's a comedy and it's so freaking funny like especially the energy vampire i mean it's like brilliant stuff right it still is the vibration of it you know and it attracts it it's like dogman if you remote view and think about dogman constantly that being can feel your vibration and like a dog it will sniff you out that's why we don't remote view dogman Man, and you know what's so crazy about this conversation we're having right now is that it's it's actually wrapped up straight in the lore of the vampire, which is if you invite it in, it can come. Right. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean it shows up at your door and you say, Hey, come on in, like which is what you see in all these series. No, it's like if you invite it in, right, it can come. And that's that is what the situation is with a lot of these things and even possession and people don't necessarily recognize that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you like the, these things have vibrations and you know, when I have very, very strange experience when I was 
researching, you know, some of the stuff with these magical families that are out there. Hey, are you loving this metaphysical episode? Would you be shocked to hear that sloth from the Goonies, orphan feral children, melon-headed monsters, and an abusive mad scientist are all part of a story that ties together the states of Connecticut, Michigan, and Ohio? Well, when you watch our metaphysical episode with the bizarre research and startling remote viewing data we found, your mind is seriously going to be blown. But that episode is only on Rise.TV, our independent streaming platform, where you can watch hundreds of videos on mysteries and so much more. Just click the link in the description to subscribe and support us, and you'll get access to this exclusive video. Thanks for your support. You know, magical gonna... families. What are you talking about? Well, you know, Harry Potter was based off of a lot oh, of right. truth. Okay, I some see. of these elite families, they their history goes back a lot longer than their name goes. Right. You know, like their name was was inserted there at some point to kind of like normalize and be a part of normal society, but their histories go back to, we're talking thousands and thousands of years and there's dark things sometimes attached to these things. You start researching them and you can get visited in your dreams by some yeah. of the people of those families telling you to stop looking yeah, into absolutely. that. And absolutely. It's happened to me. Well, no, it's true. I mean, it's so true. Like even like this was like early edge of wonder when I watched some early edge of wonder, like years ago, you guys did a series. It was a dark. It was, it was on really dark things. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think you were talking about demonic type stuff. I could see them. I could feel them. I could feel them watching through that. Right? They don't like the being vibration exposed. Was there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those things too, where it's like sometimes you have to choose what you're digging into because what what I feel is so there are some things that have a really bad entities attached to it, but but if you don't expose it, people are going to put, they're putting themselves in the line of fire, right? So you have to find a way to get people to think for themselves without too directly saying something. And it's a, it's this like really like fine balance that you have to hit, get people to wake up snap out of some of the, some of the delusions that, that they're in, that they're subscribing yeah. to. That's like, you know, some of the stuff out there too. Like when you start getting into, you know, you and I have talked about this, Helena Blavatsky, the law of attraction, some of these things, they are wrapped up in a very pretty bow that they've put out there. And when you really look into and you right. go back to its origins, it's not what you think. And it's the vibration of it that is created to look beautiful and pretty or funny in order to draw you into it so that you invite it in. Oh, man, it's so true. And, you know, back to Bram Stoker's Dracula, the cemetery in the movie is connected to a real cemetery in the UK that is allegedly haunted, like crazy haunted. And that's why they put it in there. Oh, geez. It's called the Highgate Cemetery in London, which is probably, again, like another whole episode for us to do right. at some point, you know? Right. <laughs> Dude, at that, I just got to say this. At that yeah. cemetery, you tell me this is not haunted. At that cemetery, Karl Marx's grave is in there. Oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, the guy responsible yeah. for like hundreds of millions of deaths through his ideology. Right. I mean, geez, I, you know, it's like uh, the Winchester house too, the Winchester mystery house. She I've kept building there. because, yeah, me, I've been there as well. Like she had to keep building to keep the ghosts confused. So they of all the goat people that were killed with the Winchester rifle. And so she kept building and building to like keep them confused and away from her. It's like, that, yeah, person... I believe it was a, the guy is, is a man, wasn't it? Or was it? A yeah, woman? it was. 
It was no, uh, it was the it was the woman who wanted it like that, but she didn't create her family. Her it was the ar yeah the architect guy. He like kept the building strange things. The amount of death surrounding him. I mean, that's that's going to be that's going to be a cyclone of beings probably around that area. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Oh, and then and then you know we've got we've got here you know Salem Massachusetts which you know is is the ground zero for halloween and what i think is so funny about that place is we we did a series on i think it was in part this series that got me visited when i was exposing what really happened in the salem witch trials because right. that's another thing it's not what anyone thinks that it is out there like everyone talking about it and trying to make a social issue out of it or saying that that this is like this is the problem with religion and stuff no no you've got it wrong backwards actually and you really need to look into this without your notions attached because there was other things going on here when you take into consideration 19 people died in the salem witch trials and eighty thousand people died in europe by being accused of being a witch you know right away this is a psychological operation that has other things going on but the hauntings are still there. I mean, you still have the satanic church. They're like, their their headquarters is in Salem. Like how cliche can you be? Things bring other things in, I think. And like an area where the people were killed and that area is gonna be scarred. Absolutely, and that's, that. well, watch the movie Poltergeist. You know, whether you got a forest or a community that's built on top of a graveyard, um, you're going to have paranormal phenomena happen, right? And so yeah. that's, you know, there are certain areas that, that um, indigenous peoples of America were, would, would designate as burial grounds, uh, especially when they're overlooking places or overlooking hills. And then what you have today is just like these, these areas get developed. And most people ignore the happenings that are going on by putting their blinders on. Uh, but you do get all those types of portals and types of activity that occur there. They just put their blinders on and ignore it. Uh, then you go out to a place that where it used to be a burial ground and you still have the same type of activity, activity going on. Stuff happens everywhere, everywhere, whether it's a forest or not. But, you know, the forests do have something that other beings can hide in, that other beings who are more interested in existing in a third dimensional reality can can disappear into this is why you have tons of bigfoot in the washington state forest the dense forest especially the olympic peninsula where it's just dense dense rainforest they can hide these 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 beings can hide there so yeah you're going to find them there like the jersey devil and the pine barrens and you know some of the some of the activity that we were talking about that are happening in these forests with these orbs and stuff like that, like in Salem, occurrences of cold spots happen, just like, you know, we were hearing about in Dudley Town. There's orbs, distant wailing noises, you know, the, these things people hear there. I think when when I was growing up, you know, the Poltergeist, man, the Poltergeist movie, there were a couple of movies that would keep me up at night. And Poltergeist was one of them because of that old creepy Poltergeist guy. Yeah, the creepy guy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what his name was in it, but man, you know, and actually, Lindsay, can you do me a favor and track down how much of the earth, the percentage of how much of the earth is covered by forests? I'd really like to see that, because if you think about it, 
the percentage of the earth that's covered by forest is the percentage that paraphysical beings have to hide in the entire world. That's why potentially there's so much activity right. in forest, right? It's not all the time, obviously. And I think a lot of these, <clears throat> a lot of these beings, whatever they are, whether they're completely physical or not, want to just stay away from humans or they operate in the time when humans go unconscious, <laughs> that weird moment every day where all the humans decide to go unconscious. <laughs> wow, look at this. The, the, so forests cover about 30% of the Earth's land surface while accounting for 50% of plant productivity. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, okay, so you want to like have some, maybe have some more interesting experiences, go off trail. Don't hike on regular trails, go off trail. <laughs> Or, or follow uh, game trails deep into the forest off of the human trails. Because, well, don't blame me if you get lost, for one thing. You do it of your own, out of your own judgment. I, I'm not responsible. Have a GPS. Have a GPS. Know some basic map skills, stuff like that. Don't just go wander off. Uh, it's very easy to get turned around in the forest uh, where, where everything looks the same. So you got to have skills. Uh, but yeah, you'll come across things potentially that are sort of bump in the night, kind of strange things that are going on when you go off trail. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> but we don't recommend it at the same time. But we don't at the same time. Only if you're super skilled. Yeah, you'd better be. Yeah, which I am not. So I'll wait to go out with John if we're going to go out there because John knows how to cover his own butt. Yeah, I do not yet. I need to learn from him. Um. Yeah, one final, uh, one final forest here that um, I want to. I always want to talk about before we wrap things up. Hey, are you loving this metaphysical episode? Have you ever heard of the abandoned land of Dudley Town and the dark entry forest of Connecticut that's supposedly home to evil spirits, a murderous curse, and protected wetlands? Well, we decided to get to the heart of the forest by digging through tabloids and local folktales to old accounts in newspapers and modern strange sightings. And we made an exclusive metaphysical episode where we uncovered the things that really only the metaphysical podcast can. And it's all on Rise.TV. If you're a fan of Halloween and this sounds like a metaphysical mystery you want to be a part of, click the link in the description and subscribe. Now back to the episode. That's funny, Lindsay. She wrote, non-monster hunters <laughs> need not apply. Hummel Park in Nebraska. It's a 202-acre park. It's also one of the most notably haunted spots in the entire city of Omaha. And uh, for decades, the park has been stained with sinister stories, some paranormal terrors, and some very real tragedies. So there have been tragedies there. If you Allegedly, if you visit the park late at night, you might see an otherworldly band of albino farmers, ghostly oh. apparitions creeping behind trees, all of which seem to slant oh. just slightly to one side and spray painted pentagrams on park property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's 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 scary. That's scary. I mean, you see albinos, a whole team of albinos running around <laughs> in the dark in the forest. Man, that's just not good. No offense to anyone who's albino, but a no, whole team I mean, of albinos. Just, you know, it's it's an apparition, is what it is. It's not an albino. Uh, yeah, really, it's it's an apparition. I think whatever the story is, they're just calling it that because it's an apparition. I don't know why they use albino, but man, <laughs> yeah, not good. 
<laughs> Why is that so funny? Okay, so okay, there's reportedly you got to hear this. There's a rickety old staircase, roughly 200 steps long, on one side of the park, and it's nicknamed the Stairway to Hell. The reason why is because many people who count them will get a different number going up from what they do coming down. Wait, that's the reason why? Because there's a different number potentially because people might not be able to count. And does it origin does it like go up or do they have to go down when they initially hit it? If the stairway, if your trail's going along, you see a stairway, the stairway is usually going up, right? Like these stairways in the woods, usually going up. That would be like stairway to heaven, though, wouldn't it? Well, the fact that they're calling it stairway to hell tells me a different story here. It's got to be going down, but for some reason, I, think, I can't visualize it. Okay, but I think what's... Yes. Um, Lindsay, in any of the photos that you brought up, the actual photo of the staircase? There it is. Yeah, right all there. of these are the real ones. This one... So it goes up, right? It yeah. does. I think what's weird about this is imagine hearing the stories about this staircase and then you're like, I'm going to the staircase with my friends. I am going to walk up the staircase, count the steps and then count them on the way down. And you have a different numbers every time. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm saying we gotta go here. We got to like, <laughs> like either people don't know how to count or I don't know. Smoke okay. I, I agree, but like I would have to imagine that if you have a couple of brain cells and you've done this and you're getting a different number on the way down and you're being really careful and it keeps happening, it's going to freak you out. Is this where the albinos are? I hope so. All right. Maybe Wait, we'll kill two birds with one stone when we go and right, see exactly. albinos hanging out at the top while we're climbing them. I, you know, I just, you know, look, I get skeptical of the staircase stories. I get skeptical of the staircase stories being super paranormal. Just, you know, I don't know. I've never seen, like, usually they're, they're something, they're part of a trail system that is later abandoned or somebody built a house that the rest of the house kind of fell down. They took all the wood off. But where's the one? I need to find the staircase that's not the creepypasta that we have remote viewed that actually is totally messed up and i've not come across that yet right that's the thing so if any anybody out there who's watching this listening to this has got any ideas give me a known give me a photograph give me somebody's story that we can look at so i can find that stairway to hell because we okay. want to find it what we need to do, so if we want to revisit the Staircases to Nowhere episode that we originally produced, if you guys haven't seen that, you can go back and check it out on um, YouTube or wherever on Spotify. I think the way we need to handle that is to really hardcore find a few accounts from some of these park services people who know the actual from the mouth of the park services folks that will talk about it or that have talked right. about it. Right. Or find one of them ourselves by going to these places where we know this is happening, get a couple of stories, and then we do the work to find out, hey, people in park services is that they're told not to go near these staircases if they see them. They appear one day, they're gone in a couple of other days, and they appear somewhere else. That's way too creepy to be true in my book. But if it is true, that's, you know, that's some pretty incredible yeah information yeah exactly yeah so 
for those of you that don't know, if you don't know, Creepypasta is this website that everyone used to consume when they were young, especially if you grew up in the in the born in like the late 80s or the early 90s. You would go on to Creepypasta and it was basically, you know, these campfire stories of strange urban legends that had happened, sort of like fiction horror stories. And a lot of it got extrapolated and then people you know for instance the slender man is one of these things where slender man probably first appeared on creepypasta but then this thing really people started to really have accounts of this thing in real in in real life quote unquote right there there's like there maybe it is you know i do believe it is possible for humans to create some of this stuff so maybe oh, yeah. that's what's happening yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I know locations in the woods where things can go strange from a paranormal perspective that we can go build a staircase there. And then now we've got the two things associated. So person finds a staircase in the wood. There's always already paranormal things happening. And hey, there's the staircase. Yes. <laughs> yes, we could do that. Warm. It could get cursed. I mean, who it knows, right? Yeah. But I do have to say, if I'm a park services officer and I come across a random staircase that wasn't there before when I've driven by. Right. That's yeah. That's some yeah. real weird stuff there. You know? Yeah, it is. I probably could never stop talking about all of this stuff, but I think we've been going hard for over an hour now. So <laughs> why don't we wrap this episode up? And uh, I just want to throw this out there for any of you guys listening to this. What did you all think? What stories really stood out to you? And what do you guys want to hear more about? Because we're never going to stop. I mean, there's too much to talk about on this show. But what would you like us to hit next? Definitely comment um, below. Let us know. And uh, John, thanks so much for being here, having these conversations. It's a whole lot of fun. And for everyone at home, I hope you thought that this episode was as out of this world as we did.